Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Brian Crombie Radio Hour on Saga 960. So we've had another tumultuous week in uh, Canadian politics. It's uh, fascinating. And I wanted to uh, reach back to Dan Donovan, who is the uh, publisher and editor of Ottawa Life magazine, because we did a show just, you know, I think it was two, two three weeks ago, maybe, you know, just two weeks ago about uh, the quintessential, um, um, you know, leadership convention, uh, leadership race that the Conservative Party is, is having. Um, and then just last week, we find out that one of the leading contenders, Patrick Brown, has uh, been kicked out of the race. And, uh, and so I wanted to check in with Dan what he thought about this uh, development, how it changes things, um, why he thinks uh, the Conservative Party uh, took the, the, the position they took. Uh, Dan, by the way, is editor and publisher of Ottawa Life magazine and has been for 25 years this September. They celebrate their 25th anniversary. Before that, he was a political staffer. He's been a business person. Uh, he's been a writer and he's been a stand-up comedian. So he's really, uh, he's, uh, he's uh, done a lot. Uh, Dan, welcome to the show. Wonderful to be back, Brian. Always love our conversations. Uh, they're, they're very sort of uh, uh, medicinal for me because it helps me uh, sort of process things and think through them in this fascinating conservative race that we're in right now, which um, we, as you know, we, we just put out our current print issue. Actually, it went out in the Globe and Mail this week um, and it's on newsstands and it was it, it's about the uh, existential crisis in the Conservative Party right now. And it's an illustrative cover by this uh, Toronto-based artist, actually, a fellow named John Fraser. It's a wonderful cover. And, um, and in, that, in that issue, we tried to break down the sort of bigger picture about what's going on in the Conservative Party from coast to coast to coast and who are the six candidates and what are they about? And, you know, what, are the, what is the sort of... Uh, turning and trade-off points in this race because it's it's certainly uh been a very uh nasty i would say nasty uh intense uh race and that just took on a whole new chapter this week when we had patrick brown who's from your end of town up there in brampton uh you know the mississauga brampton gta area kind of thing um Mr. Brown was disqualified this week by the Conservative Party team in charge of running the leadership. Now, the person who's in charge of that team, you know, I guess where the buck stops or one of the people where the buck stops is a fellow named Ian Brody. Now, the challenge here is that Ian Brody is a highly respected uh, conservative person not only within the party, but I would say within, you know, even outside the party, even in government in Ottawa. Uh, Mr. Brody is a former chief of staff to Stephen Harper. Uh, he's an academic now. He's, he's out at, he teaches out of the university in Alberta and, and a very serious, credible person. So I, I only say that as a backdrop because I think that's, that's an important factor in this. Having said that, Mr. Brown was... And the, and, the, and the decision wasn't, you know, it's not Mr. Bodie's alone. There was a vote on this organizing committee of 11 to 6 to kick Patrick Brown out of the leadership race for allegations that he had been involved, his campaign had been involved in illegal activity that, that is contrary to the Canada Elections Act, namely that a corporation, uh, a third party corporation, paid... Uh, one of his volunteers to work on the campaign. This volunteer uh, was a lady named Debbie Joadouin, who is uh, from Quebec. Now, the reason that's important is because uh, Quebec has its own history of, uh, you know, problems in elections and in campaigns, and there's a deep, rich history there of a whole lot of shenanigans. Uh, but the problem is that Michaudin has been a worker on multiple conservative campaigns over the years as a paid person. Uh, there are allegations that she's also uh, been promised a job by the Conservative Party. Uh, there's also a problem that on a lot of her social media posts, uh, she was posting favorably 
Well, allegedly on Mr. Brown's campaign, she was posting favorably for Pierre Poiliev. Now, that's a little bit of uh, like a drive-by shooting on Poiliev because they deny that. And, you know, Poiliev's campaign can't control what someone is saying on their social media posts. But as you can see, that would be a problem. If, if you're working on one candidate's campaign and posting favorably on another, and you're also apparently getting paid by that campaign. So this brings into light a whole bunch of questions about, you know, Miss Joadouin's conduct. Um, it also brings, and, and the Brown campaign has vehemently denied all of this. They've said that they never uh, were involved in this. The, the both sides seem to admit that Miss Joadouin did approach Mr. Brown and ask about it and asked him about a paid position. And then he said, well, we don't do that, but he, you know, I can redirect you to, you know, she wanted a job as a consultant. And then the idea was that she would get hired as a consultant and then work as a volunteer on the campaign. So, so that's a problem too, because if you, okay, if you go to somebody and say, well, do you know someone who can hire me as a consultant? And if I'm consulting with them, I can also volunteer in your campaign. Well, are you doing other consulting work for that company and then spending your time volunteering? I mean, there, there's a, it's, it's murky. So the issue becomes this. This was, you know, this so-called whistleblower when she first came forward, she didn't want her name released. So her lawyer apparently, uh, you know, said to the party, well, she's got these serious allegations. She doesn't want her name known. The party took a look at this uh, and it was around June 29th or June 30th that they contacted Mr. Brown's campaign and they asked him to respond uh, quickly. Over the next uh, couple of days, I, I, my, what we are hearing is that the Brown campaign responded. The idea seems to be that the conservative oversight campaign uh, for the campaign, the people running the oversight for the campaign thought it's, it appears they seem to think that his response was rather uh, ineffective and cavalier, I would say. And they went back to him and said, that's not good enough. We, you know, we have this allegation. And then apparently when he went back again, they thought it was a very cavalier, dismissive response. So they booted him. They had a vote. And by a vote of 11 to 6, uh, they voted to remove him from the leadership. The, the problem is when they did that, they did not share the information, the specific allegations with the public or the media or the party with regards to why they had booted him. So you're trusting in these in this oversight campaign on such a serious issue. In their favor, they sent the material to Elections Canada. But from a, a sort of public policy perception, uh, public perception point of view, uh, this is sort of like kicking yourself in the head because there are reputational issues here for the Conservative Party. And the idea is that um, you, this doesn't just affect Mr. Brown, it affects the Conservative Party, it affects their campaign. Mr. Brown, uh, according to the numbers, signed up 150,000 new members to join the party. So, that's a, so, so then the issue becomes, well, what happens to those votes? Apparently, they're all going to be allowed to vote. But the reputational part is you've got a candidate who's come in, who's brought in all of these new members... And now you're claiming that he's somehow corrupt. Um, and then they said that the decision was irrefutable. Well, you know, we do have uh, a process in this country for appeals. And, Innocent and proven saying, guilty. You know, well, the, and the Conservative Party or any, any party can make up their own rules. But due process, it's lost on me that, you know, who is the law and order party apparently in Canada? The Conservative Party. So they do know, know as you, you know, a little bit about due process. So the thing that I found um, troubling was that line that this is an irrefutable decision. And I'm thinking, uh, that's, that's something sounds odd there. So Patrick Brown went and hired Marie Heinen, who is, you know, one of the most esteemed and well-known lawyers in Canada, and no shrinking violence. A defense uh, to, uh, litigation defense attorney in Toronto. Yes, and she, of course, uh, did the Jiang Gemeshi case uh, for CBC. Mark Norman, Admiral Mark Norman case at D and D. 
Uh, again, this is a very former attorney general person. of uh, Ontario, Bryant, Michael Bryant. Yes, that's right. Uh, a known litigator and and very effective uh, lawyer. So this is not over by a long shot. So this is a, a big problem. And I think, the, the, you know, the problem the Tories have is a reputational one right now. And I think to, to I think to be fair to Mr. Brody, I think what he was doing was thinking this has to be dealt with quickly seen and be seen to be clean. But but I think they didn't take into account the public perception. Like if you're making an accusation, put the information on the table, let everybody see it. This isn't Watergate. Hello, just put this on the table and let people see either he did this or he didn't do it. Fascinating and situation. That's the problem. We're going to take a break for some messages and come back more with Dan Donovan about the Patrick Brown situation uh, in just two minutes. Stay with us, everybody. Welcome back, everyone, to the Brian Crombie Radio Hour on Saga 960. My guest today is Dan Donovan, who is the uh, publisher and editor of Ottawa Life magazine. Uh, and he just uh, did uh, a uh, cover story on the in, in Ottawa Life magazine on the conservative leadership campaign and the race and all the different candidates and talked about how it really was a critical decision uh, for, uh, for the Conservative Party. And then just last week, um, we had an unbelievably interesting development that Patrick Brown was, uh, was removed from the leadership race. And we're talking about that issue. Uh, Dan, you know, I, I want to add to this discussion, you know, three different uh, um, editorials or columns that I've read recently, uh, and there's probably a million, but three, that are all very different in their positioning. So Andrew Coyne wrote in the Globe and Mail that uh, as long as we have election campaigns where um, you have to become a member and sell memberships to, uh, to join the party to vote for a leader, we're going to end up having this corruption. And uh, they recommended, he recommended a different style of uh, leadership campaign. Um, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Robin, uh, another columnist in the Globe and Mail, um, wrote an uh, uh, unbelievably sarcastic column that uh, suggested that Patrick Brown was just always uh, immersed in controversy and went through uh, um, you know, loans that he took from friends to buy houses and, uh, and his removal or, or his resignation uh, two years ago, or no, it was four years ago, wasn't it, uh, from the leadership of the, the Conservative Party in, uh, in, uh, in Ontario. Um, and, uh, and, and uh, you know, controversy after controversy in Brampton um, about, uh, about fundraising and about uh, hiring uh, connected uh, people either in City Hall or from Niagara, et cetera, that, uh, you know, just suggested that, uh, that there was something wrong with Patrick Brown and uh, controversy and scandal always followed him. And it was an incredibly sarcastic, uh, um, inflammatory almost uh, column. And then uh, yesterday, Warren Kinsella, wrote a column that suggested that, uh, you know, this uh, whistleblower um, was in for the worst uh, couple of weeks of her life because of the hiring by uh, Patrick Brown of this lawyer that you mentioned, and that uh, they were going to go through absolutely everything and really suggesting that, uh, that almost suggesting really that this practice is normal and talked about how labor unions always ended up donating uh, uh, volunteer paid workers to campaigns. And so that therefore there was nothing really uh, wrong uh, with the actual allegation, but more importantly, that uh, I think uh, Warren was suggesting that uh, she was either a plant by another uh, campaign or by the Conservative Party or or something, and uh, that uh, that uh, that Brown's lawyer was going to make mincemeat of of her. What do you make of this whole controversy in this situation, and 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 the pros and cons to uh, how quickly to come out against Patrick Brown the knives? And and I got to say one more thing. You know, it's interesting to me that Patrick Brown, who I know reasonably well um, and, and, and is a good politician and, uh, and has sold a lot of memberships, whether it be federally, provincially, or, or in this uh, current leadership uh, uh, race, and has attracted a bunch of new Canadians uh, to the political process, almost unlike anyone else other than Jason Kenney in, uh, in previous years. Um, he seems to have been attacked more by other conservatives than anyone else. Lots of people think that it was, uh, you know, an MPP from Ottawa, Lisa McLeod, that, uh, that engineered the, uh, the undoing of him four years ago. Um, and if Warren Kinsella is right, that this, uh, this whistleblower was a plant from some other 
some other campaign. It's it's unbelievable the dirty politics that go on within politics. Well, it's funny, um, and I, I think your three examples, uh, the three articles you uh, you highlighted, are, in, are are excellent examples of of the complexities of this. And I I'd like to sort of respond by go, going at each of them. But let me start with Lisa McLeod. You know, politics and leaderships and internal party politics since Confederation have always been like a sausage-making machine, okay? There's a lot of ingredients that go into these things, and they're messy by nature. And I always find it funny, especially when other media people who've never worked in politics, uh, who've never worked in the parties, have never worked on the head, like, like yourself, have never jumped in the arena and been a candidate and been at the door and seen how hard that, that whole process is, they get very judgmental. I think Andrew Coyne is way off base here. Um, and, and I think it's, a, it, it's, it's quite extraordinary, um, the, the idea that, um, that uh, they don't have an understanding of what other parties are doing. Lisa McLeod, by the way, is not in the cabinet now. She just got reelected um, and, and she was left out of the cabinet by Doug Ford. She's taking some time off, apparently for some mental health issues. Uh, however, I would note that during the campaign, uh, right in the middle of the election, Ms. McLeod um, had a problem because her riding association apparently had paid her $44,000 in additional uh, revenue, uh, you know, for her own personal use, uh, which the premier himself ha then had to uh, uh, rebut and say he thought it was wrong and he didn't think that should be done. Um, now, for years, when Brian Mulroney was the prime minister, the Conservative Party of Canada uh, also had a stipend that they paid him in addition to his salary. Uh, these are choices parties make. There's nothing illegal about these things if they're done and if the party association agrees to do it and they vote to do it. It may it may taste bad. You may not like it, but it's not illegal. Uh, so that's the first problem. The second problem is uh, all, you know, the, the NDP, the NDP are masters at uh, using unions to fund their campaigns. I worked on a uh, two liberal campaigns back in the day, you know, and back in the day when I worked on the Hill, and this is during the, the, the Kretchen period, I, you know, I was a speechwriter, legislative assistant, helped run four campaigns in downtown Toronto for Dennis Mills. Dennis Mills beat Jack Layton in 1997, uh, you, you know, when Jack was uh, uh, running against him. I still maintain that Mills beat uh, Layton in 2004. In that election, uh, the only NDP seat in the entire GTA went to Jack Layton. And that was in the Danforth. Uh, Dennis Mills had had that seat for 18 years. He was a very popular MP. There was about 82,000 votes cast. And the final total was just, you know, uh, under 2,000 votes. Interestingly, Brian, in that election, Jack Layton, the mo there's a thing in elections called out of writing votes. So if you're living in Mississauga and there are other people who, who are residents of Mississauga, but they may be out in BC working or something, um, they have the right at election time to vote in your writing. Jack Layton in that election had more out of writing votes than any other candidate in the country. And he just barely squeaked by Dennis Mills. So six months later, Election Canada comes out with this and says, you know, he had the most out of writing votes. And I said to Dennis at the time, you should you should go at Elections Canada and ask for an appeal of the vote. But Dennis at that time said, you know what? No, I'm done. 18 years. Jack can have it. I recall in that race getting a call from one of the volunteers and going down to a, a voting center one day and the NDP had had gone around and, and gone to a homeless shelter and picked up a bunch of people, got them to sign affidavits and got them to go and vote. These, the you know, so they gave them breakfast and then got them to vote for Jack. And this is what happens. This happens in campaigns. Cape Breton, I, I worked on campaigns in Cape Breton. The same thing, same kind of shenanigans happened down there. Sometimes it wasn't breakfast. It might have been a little, you know, have a, you know, but I'm just saying these are things that happen. So this idea that um, there's these, there's corruption. And I think just Andrew Coyne is way off and he's not understanding the, the sort of meat and grind in campaigns. The, so of the three people you reference, the three columns, the, the one truest to me that I think is closest to the truth is Warren Kinsella. Uh, and Warren, of course, um, 
you know, is a is a a master of the political war room. He ran many of them. Um, he's worked for Olivia Chow, I think, when she was running for, for uh, mayor in Toronto. So he's jumped around. He was with the Liberals. He worked with the NDPs, worked with the Tories. They all seem to like him and then hate him after. But I think it's prescient to listen to what he's saying. And his point is this, you know, it's a bit like the pot calling the kettle black for the NDP or anyone else to start criticizing the Tories about this kind of thing when they do it themselves. In Ontario, especially, it's, it's, it's brutally bad with the crossover between unions and the NDP. We saw it under Doug Ford in the last election where you had unions coming out in favor of Andrea Horwath. They had their unions working for her. Uh, but to, to Warren's point, they weren't doing anything illegal as long as you're transparent about it. And this is his point with the Patrick Brown thing. Uh, if this whistleblower has evidence, you should put it forward. Did, she was the one that approached them to be paid. So that's a problem right at, right at the get-go. So to be fair to Brown, his campaign needs time to be able to explain this. To, and, and if they did, if there was a corporation paying for them, were they aware of it? And for the party, what they should have done is said, look, we have this serious complaint. Can you explain this? And and if in explaining it, they could they said, well, we weren't aware they were doing that. Then you make amends and you fix it and they sanction him. The problem is the it's been so harsh. It's been so harsh with all of these other questions left hanging. The stain is now going to come back, I think, on the whole party. So th this is not over by a long shot. But this idea that political campaigns are not grinding and and difficult and antagonistic uh you know any writer that's or a reporter that's writing about that i'm sorry they're just like sort of clued out this big time they don't get it i think the argument that andrew coin was making though was uh was what you're saying but in addition was that uh, the uk system where the caucus actually elect the leader uh, and can depose the leader is a far better system than uh, when you uh, you have um, you know membership sales and brand new members, special interest groups. And he talks about how the dairy farmers from uh, Quebec, uh, you know, packed uh, one of the last uh, conservative leadership uh, uh, conventions and uh, and ended up uh, swaying the vote. Um, and uh, you know, you and I have both seen this, whether it be uh, right to life uh, organizations or different ethnic groups or different religious groups or different special interest groups. Um, can end up um, skewing a nomination campaign or a leadership campaign. Um, and he calls them, what do you call them? You know, tourists, uh, just people that showed up for one, uh, one vote and then they were gone. They weren't, weren't the long-term uh, members of the political party that licked the envelopes, knocked on doors, did all the hard work. I would say to Mr. Coyne, show me a campaign uh, where that anywhere in the Western world where that happens like on a regular basis because it doesn't exist. And the fact of the matter is that uh, the, the other side of that is, and I can go back to the John Turner, when John Turner was the leader of the Liberal Party. Uh, Mr. Turner won the leadership of the Liberal Party in 1984, and he was, and he, and that was the, the race against Jean Chrétien. At the end of that race, uh, Iona Campanola at the time got up on the stage, even though Mr. Turner had won and said, you know, this is the guy who won in the ballot, but the person who won in our hearts was Jean Chrétien, which was true. But Mr. Mr. Turner won the race. And then in the next election, he lost. The, the, the Liberals, of course, under Brian Mulroney, went down to a devastating defeat, and they went down to like 44 seats. But the, that, but the party, members from across the party, uh, in a, in a sign-up race, we had to sign up members in each riding. And the, and the reason that they want people to do that in the ridings is so you can build riding infrastructure and get members in the riding for the election to come out and work. And granted, a lot of people, most of the people, in fact, uh, are not interested in, in volunteering and getting out. But a lot of them just want to participate and vote and have a say in the race. But there's another large portion of those people in a lot of the writings that will then come out and work in the, in the election. They'll go door to door. They'll put up posters. They'll put up signs. They'll, they'll do social media. They'll help. They'll vol volunteer. So it's, a, it's an opportunity in these leaderships to sign up new members for the upcoming election. The problem uh, with Mr. Coyne's um, argument that, uh, oh, we should just have the caucus vote, really? So, you know, in our country, there's 38 million people. And in the last election, 
Uh, the conservatives got uh, 7 million, I believe it was 7 million votes. And so is, is he suggesting that uh, we're going to allow, how many seats do the Tories have right now? 100 and, I don't know, 17 or something. We're going to let uh, 117 people decide who the next official leader of the opposition of Canada is. That's the criticism. You're giving too much power then to too few people. And then, so once you start doing that, all of a sudden it becomes, how is it that 117 people could decide who the next leader of the opposition is and potentially the next prime minister? That is, that is blatantly undemocratic. Okay, so, so back to my earlier point. This so process let's, 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 is messy. I, I want to come back to Patrick Brown in a second, but uh, let's go the other direction. What about primaries? You know, Justin Trudeau um, uh, has sort of moved a big step toward that uh, um, with... Uh, you know, anyone can join as a supporter. You don't have to actually become a member. You don't have to take out a, uh, you don't have to pay for a, a membership card to actually vote in a leadership campaign. You do in nominations. But what about the U.S. system where you just register as either a Democrat or Republican or even in many states as, uh, as an independent? Um, you can just vote in a primary. And, you know, I've been down in the U.S. recently. Um, those primaries are unbelievably well fought and anyone can run. Um, and you don't have this sort of uh, green lighting process um, or review process that this conservative um, you know, organization uh, that's kicked out Patrick Brown has had that you know, anyone can run. Uh, Liz Cheney can run, even though so many different people within the Republican Party dislike her today. Well, the problem, of course, in the United States is it's, it's just um, a disaster because they have political action committees and th th that system is not one to emulate here. That system, in my opinion, is a joke. And I'll tell you why it's become a joke. Initially, the way it was set up, the way you've described it, would have been perfect. But then the Americans allowed money into their elections. The Supreme Court decisions that allowed for political action committees have destroyed democracy in America. This is why Liz Cheney, who probably would be a great candidate for the Republican Party, she's a brilliant woman, uh, will never get that shot because there is, there is so much money in American elections. You can set up, she could run, like, let's say she runs against uh, John Smith, okay? And she's, and she's the best candidate and she's running and she's signing up people but a third party with millions of dollars, it could be a corporation, it could be they just fund a, a political action committee and they can throw there's an unlimited amount of money they can throw into the race. There's no rules. And she doesn't have a hope in hell of winning. So the idea of bringing up uh, a system up here, if, if it doesn't involve the money, that may be something that could work. But the fact is, it's always about the money, as we're seeing now. And this is what seeps into the system. So the, I, I think that the, the thing to remember is we, what's just as important as a representative component of this is, is the money. And that's why John Kretschner brought in election rules in this country that disallowed companies. It was, it was, it was Prime Minister Kretschner that brought in the, the election rules we have today that, that put very strict uh, provisions around how much money corporations and individuals could give to political parties. And by the way, if I may about... Uh, Justin Trudeau. There is no Liberal Party with Justin Trudeau. There's the cult of Justin. The, the Liberal Party right now is a joke. And we, we don't have any accountability in that party. Uh, Mr. Trudeau, uh, in, in, in uh, my writing right next door here, you got a guy, Yasser Nakfi, who was demolished in the, uh, in the Kathleen Wynne government. He was appointed here in Ottawa Centre. There were other people that wanted to run. They just dismissed all of that process and they just appointed him to run uh, because you could run, frankly, a doorknob in Ottawa Centre and they're going to vote Liberal. It's the same thing in Canada. They did the they had a, a, a person here named Jenna Suds who was elected as a first time councillor of the city council, new councillor, um, you know, talented person, uh, but elected to city hall. Then all of a sudden, the, the election is called. They need a candidate in Canada. There, were, there was a number of people who wanted to run, including a racialized person, a racialized female woman who wanted to run out in Canada. And the Justin Trudeau federal party said, we're not having a nomination, we're appointing her. There is no democracy in, in the Liberal Party right now. Of all the parties in the country, uh, I would say they're the worst because there is no Liberal Party. It's it's everybody checks their brain at the door and does what uh, it's it's very dictatorial um, 
in Ottawa right now by this government, and there's no process. So this is this is the thing that's interesting to me when I observe the media coverage of the conservative race. You know, at least they're trying to have, or they are having a democratic race. But you know what? Democracy's messy. It's messy, and it's and it's it's always about the money. This is only about the money. This woman wanted to be paid. The NDP paid people through unions. Uh, the Liberal Party have a rich history of, of ties to the business community and, and paying money. But the issue is there has to be rules around it. There are actually strict rules around it on the federal side. So this is the problem here. But it's going to be messy regardless of how you do it. We're chatting tonight about... Uh Patrick Brown's demise as a candidate uh, for the Conservative Party leadership uh, nationally in, uh, in Canada. We're going to take a break. We're chatting with our guest, Dan Donovan, who is the Ottawa Life publisher and editor and has been for 25 years. We're going to take a break for two minutes and be back with Dan in just a minute. Stay with us. Welcome back, everyone, to the Brian Crombie Radio Hour on Saga 960. My guest tonight is Dan Donovan. He is the publisher and editor of Ottawa Life magazine. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, they uh, they had a cover story on uh, the, the conservative leadership race and uh, called it uh, the existential crisis within the, the conservative party. And uh, it was really a a, uh, a fight between a, uh, a populist uh, right wing versus uh, sort of the mainstream former progressive conservative. Uh, and one of the leading people within that former progressive conservative uh, red Tory um, uh, area was Patrick Brown. And Tuesday of last week, uh, he was uh, taken out of the conservative leadership race by the, the organizing committee for the, for the convention um, because of some allegations uh, in regards to, uh, to um, a consultant that uh, was paid by a corporation that was working for, uh, for the Patrick Brown campaign, supposedly, uh, as a volunteer, but actually being paid by a third party. At least that's the allegation. Um, it may be, uh, Dan, just for a second, you could uh, address this third uh, column that I talked about. Uh, uh, I think it was Robin Ubensky is her name, um, who uh, wrote in the Globe and Mail in a very sarcastic tone, um, suggesting that there's something morally, I think, morally wrong with Patrick Brown, that there were so many different allegations. And uh, she talked about this... Um, scandal and the, and the, and the I think it was a CTV um, uh, publication and uh, and broadcast uh, from four years ago um, that uh, was settled before this uh, leadership campaign without any exchange of money and supposedly the only change I haven't checked this but supposedly the only change was that they changed the age of one of the uh, uh, alleged uh, um, you know, I'm not sure whether victim is the right word but uh, the people that had uh, made allegations against uh, against Patrick. Um, and um, and the story is still online, um, and I think she was suggesting that therefore everything else in the story is still accurate. Um, at least that's what my perception of uh, her of her argument was. Though that's not exactly what she said because it was all in an extremely sarcastic tone. Um, there was this allegation about monies that he got from a friend that allowed him uh, as a loan that was never repaid uh, that uh, that allowed him to buy a house. There were allegations. Uh, that he has hired people uh, to uh, either help him uh, at Brampton City Hall and five different uh, city councillors in Brampton have come out complaining about that um, uh, in their attempt to get a, a university in Brampton. It goes on and on. Um, and, and there seems to be a certain amount, whether it be Lisa McLeod or other people within the Conservative Party that believe that about, uh, Pat, about Patrick. Um, do you think that's the problem? Um. Um, I, I have a couple of observations on that. I don't know Patrick Brown, um, but I am very aware of this case. One thing I would point out is that the Globe and Mail is owned by who? Bell, Bell Alliance. And who owns Bell? And, and, and Bell owns CTV. So the Globe and Mail and CTV are in the same wheelhouse. And the people that made these accusations when Patrick Brown was the leader of the Progressive Conservative Party of Ontario, these spurious allegations against them, were reporters from the CTV who had a personal uh, connection to one of the victims or alleged victims or alleged complainers. And this, they never disclosed that when they were writing this. 
So as an editor, I, I just find that outrageous. It was almost like a personal vendetta and it wasn't disclosed. And the, and the person, the, the two writers involved in this who made the allegations are still writing for CTV. And it's interesting that this person you're referencing in this column, you know, took a sarcastic view and is making all of these things, inferring certain things about this. The fact of the matter is that CTV was required, legally required to apologize to Mr. Brown for those allegations in that article. Those are the facts. So it, it's, it's not lost on me that now you have a CTV partners, a, a columnist in the Globe and Mail is saying all of these things. I have no idea whether or not they're true, but I do know, I go back to what we said earlier, we have something in this country called due process and the rule of law. And I note with interest that before Mr. Brown got into the race, CTV had to apologize to him and they did publicly and they also read it on the air. So I think this uh, this calmness is a little wacky, and I, I just. But again, it just talks. You, it, it's again, it goes to the problem with the mainstream media in this country in terms of picking winners and picking losers, and then putting things up that are uh, that are like a, this mirage is fact. We don't know what these allegations are about Mr. Brown are, other than that CTV apologized for presenting them on the national news. That's pretty significant. Um, it's interesting to me that Marie Heinen is representing Patrick Brown. Just if you look at her record, she can choose to represent him or not. She chose to do so. So there's a reputational thing there that I think people have to look at. You're absolutely right. There seems to be this, this real dislike for him uh, within the Conservative Party. Um, he is more of a, uh, I would say, a red Tory progressive conservative. Jenny Heinen, who is the campaign manager for Pierre Polyev, if you listen to her on the radio, she literally can't stand the guy. It's it's really quite uh, troubling the way she talks about him. It's almost like she has this personal thing against the guy. But, you know, I have no reason to understand why that is. But I, I do think um, that he, ha he, he is a, a source of a lot of, uh, of anger from some of these uh, more uh, traditional right, sort of right-leaning conservatives. I can't explain why, but he did lose his job as a leader in Ontario very quickly to Doug Ford. He was in the Harper uh, caucus for many years. He's actually very close, uh, apparently, to the Indian Prime Minister, or sorry, President Modi. Um, he signed up a ton of new people here uh, in Canada, in Ontario, in particular, when he won the leadership race. Some people say he signs up mostly people from, uh, from you know, diverse communities or new immigrants. I have no idea if, if that's true or not. There, there are a lot of people that suggest that. But so what? If they're allowed to vote, they're allowed to vote and good on them for getting them in the party. And I think it's good for any political party, whether it's the Liberals, the NDP, the Conservatives, uh, or the Green Party, uh, to if they can sign up and, and get new members, more power to them. But the more democratic you can make the process, the better. And, I, and again, I go, so I go back to, 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 to a comment before the last break about this idea that we would just have a caucus of a, of a small caucus de decide who the next leader is. It just wouldn't fly. I, I think there's... Um, and, and, and Mr. Brown seems to really uh, rub people the wrong way. There's no doubt about it. I, 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 he does, which is which is troubling, um, and I don't understand exactly why. And, it, and I come back to the comment I made uh, in uh, the first segment that it seems like it's uh, right wing Tories, other Tories, in, intra um, uh, mural sort of fights that end up uh, being his uh, his downfall uh, more than anything else. I think his book was called Takedown, um, and I'm not sure whether the takedown was CTV and the Globe and Mail or whether it was Lisa McLeod and uh, and right wing Tories, but. Who knows? Well, we may never find you out. You know, Brian, you can, you can, like, one of the, one of the problems with this is a sort of drive-by shooting aspect of it, metaphorically. You know, this columnist is in the Globe Mail suggests, well, he borrowed money from someone who didn't repay it. Well, did that person complain about it? Who is that person? Did they take him to court? Is that really true? People borrow money all the time. The families, others, they borrow money, they do deals, they do friends, they manage things, you know? Uh, she doesn't know the details of that, and she certainly didn't disclose them in her article. So what is she talking about? It's this reputational shooting. Mr. Brown, I understand, was the MP for up in the Barrie area. Then, then when he left 
he ran for the PCs and he won that and he was a leader there, you know, for a couple of years before he, he, that whole incident happened where he was booted. Then all of a sudden he ran to be the mayor in Brampton. Now, then he won. <laughs> so he's the mayor in Brampton. So, so if there's five uh, people in Brampton on the council complaining, I have no idea how many people are on the council in Brampton. Uh, I would presume there's probably 12 anyways, and maybe more. So it's certainly not a majority of the people. And he won the mayoralty race there. And as we know, I mean, just look at Ottawa city politics. Uh, it ain't pretty. There's always councillors complaining, you know, even in Toronto, there's always people, you can always find people that don't like Mayor John Tory, who, by the way, I just, I observe is probably doing a pretty fantastic job there down in Toronto, except for his continuous support of the Toronto Maple Leafs, which is a problem. Uh, and as you know, we can always send him a send shirt, but I'm just saying, you know, politics is messy, right? So it I don't know. Is. I'll give you three examples, personal examples of uh, Patrick Brown that uh, that I think are telling. Um, he showed up at my house uh, one New Year's Day evening. Uh, so not New Year's Eve, but the, the following day where I had uh, uh, quite a big uh, um, uh, dinner party with a bunch of, uh, of people from uh, Mississauga um, at our invitation uh, to pitch on uh, them supporting him in the leadership. Uh, so this guy works unbelievably hard, even New Year's Day Eve. New Year's Day night, he was out uh, campaigning, visiting people's houses, making pitches uh, to uh, to sell memberships uh, when he was running for the progressive conservative uh, leadership in Ontario. Um, I uh, I was at a big um, Pakistani wedding a couple of months ago, and uh, Patrick Brown uh, was there, um, and uh, he was like a rock star. Uh, and in um, the ethnic communities in the 905, um, he is uh, treated with an incredible amount of respect. And I was actually speaking at a local mosque um, a couple of weeks ago, and his wife uh, was out in the lobby uh, wearing hijab um, and selling memberships for this current uh, leadership campaign. Um, and she's just uh, recently given birth. Uh, so, uh, you know, her, her, his family uh, is very supportive, works hard. He uh, works hard. And I do think that he has connected in Brampton and the 905 with a portion of our population of new Canadians that no one else other than, um, you know, the minister, uh, the, what was it called? Uh, Curry with a hurry or whatever uh, that other than Jason Kenney, who really cultivated those relationships uh, has done. And, um, and I worry that one of the outcomes of, uh, of this uh, decision by the, the conservative organizing uh, committee is going to be that a lot of new Canadians that Patrick Brown signed up are going to feel disenfranchised. You think that is such an excellent point and, and the point that they're not thinking about in the race. And frankly, another person that has brought a similar type of thing up in the race is Jean Charest. And Mr. Charest has been quiet on this other than to say, due process, we need to see the evidence. We need to have transparency. And he's concerned about the impact, the reputational impact this will have on the Conservative Party. And I don't think a, not a, a lot of thought has gone into that. According to the numbers, uh, Mr. Brown has signed up 150,000 new members for the Conservative Party. And that, in, in any standard, it, I don't care what party you're in, that's incredible. It's insane, actually, that he was able to achieve that. Now, uh, there's apparently 675,000 members in total, and apparently Mr. Polyev has signed up about over 300,000, they say. So that leaves another, uh, I think, 200,000, 210,000 uh, votes in play. And, and they, they have this system where the whole leadership thing is going to be decided by points in the writing. So, you know, if each writing has to have like at least 100 members, and then based, if you get at least 100 members, you get you can get more of the percentage of the point system in each writing. So some writings are actually worth more than other writings. So it's a very, uh, from a sort of democratic matrix underpinnings point of view, it's a very uh, sophisticated and fair system because they're saying, you know, in, because in some writings they're just more active than others and they don't want like a writing 
I'm, I'm, let me just say I'm from Cape Breton. So let's say Cape Breton, which doesn't have a lot of people and doesn't have a, a lot of um, active writings. The idea was should that ha carry as much sway if you got a writing with, you know, like just for argument's sake, like 50,000 people or, or say 20,000 20, people, should that have the same amount of sway as a writing with like 100,000? Well, no, no, actually. So they came up with a, a proportional plan to make it fairer. So, but to your point, which is so important, one of the key things to protect our democracy in this country is to ensure that we have diverse peoples and new immigrants who come to our country, many of them from countries that are not democratic or that are more authoritarian, that when they come here, that they, allow, they are allowed the opportunity to participate and they can they feel that you know that, that they have that opportunity to go and vote and that their vote counts so if if a candidate has signed up a lot of members you want to have some sensitivity around that if you're making such a serious allegation against them again pierre poiliev has also signed up a lot of people um and we you know he's he his campaign is saying they have diverse numbers as well mr Charest is saying the same thing but these are reputational issues, and I don't think that the proper care has been taken with the treatment of Mr. Brown, whether they like him or dislike him. Uh, somebody who signs up 150,000 members, it, th that, that is someone, you know, there's, there's something there. This is, this is a substantive person, and you want to treat that fairly. I contrast that against the Green Party which I think you could get their sort of membership right now into like a, a, as they say in Ontario, like a van, you know, there's, this is not a party that the green party, you talk about reputational issues, they blew their brains out prior to the last election with their anti-Semitic behavior. They, they, they put out this insane uh, doctrine about Israel and Palestine. And I think most people in the country, besides being embarrassed by it, and I think what happened with the Green Party is they were taken, they've been taken over by a bunch of Marxist ideologues from universities who, who got their clutches. I'm, I'm serious. They got their clutches into the party. They booted out a racialized woman, a Jewish woman out of the party. And why is the Green Party of Canada involved in Israel-Palestinian things? They don't even have, they have like, I think, one seat in parliament, two seats in parliament. They're just not focused they're not focused on signing up new people on issues relevant to Canadians. And I, I, I put that as a contrast because it's important because people like Patrick Brown don't get caught up in all of that stuff. And they're focused on bread and butter issues here in Canada on what the new immigrants here that he's signing up are interested in their concerns. Uh, these are pocketbook concerns. These are cultural concerns and my hat's off to him. The same for the other candidates in the race. Um, so you know, if you have, if you, if you are insensitive to these things or cavalier, like the Green Party was about the Palestine issue, you, you can blow your brains out and have no political credibility. It's like Warren Buffett said, what is it? It takes 20 years to build your reputation and 20 minutes to blow it. Right. So there you go. We're going to take a final break and come back with some concluding comments with Dan Drummond, Dan Donovan, I apologize, uh, in just two minutes. Stay with us, everybody. Welcome back, everyone, to the Brian Crombie Radio Hour. I'm having a lot of fun tonight chatting with uh, Dan Donovan, who is the publisher and editor of Ottawa Life magazine. Um, he uh, has recently issued a, uh, uh, an issue uh, with the cover story about the uh, existential crisis within the Conservative Party going on right now during their leadership campaign. And we've been talking about uh, how Patrick Brown has been removed from that uh, campaign uh, this evening. So maybe I can, uh, uh, Dan, turn you to the future. What do you think happens now? We're obviously going to have a little bit of a, a legal fight that might be a main uh, main fight, might be a sideshow um, as uh, as Patrick fights this uh, decision. But I think a lot of people were thinking that Patrick uh, might have come in third or fourth and would have gone to Jean Charest uh, and taken his people uh, in subsequent ballots, uh, even though it happens all at the same time in a preferential ballot system uh, to, uh, to Jean Charest. Um, whether he can actually now get those people still motivated to vote uh, is a question. Uh, whether he wants to is, uh, is a question if he's actually removed from, uh, from the race. 
Um, and, uh, you know, I think a lot of people would have thought that Leslie, Dr. Leslie Ann Lewis and, uh, and uh, Roman Vaber would have gone to uh, Pierre Polyev. <clears throat> Some people think Pierre Polyev would have won on the first ballot. How do you sort of think about the next, you know, two months as we get to September 10th and the, and the decision point in regards to how this plays in the actual outcome? Well, there's certainly going to be a legal challenge, and that's going to keep this uh, front and center for some time. Uh, the safety valve, the one only smart thing, I think, because I, I have issues, as I've mentioned, with the, how the Conservative uh, Party has handled this, certainly in terms of the media and the public perception. The one thing they did that was smart was they sent all the information to Elections Canada. So Elections Canada at some point is going to have to come out and make a statement on this, I would think, with regards to what's transpired here. But the race, uh, it's, 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 I think it's going to be very intense and nasty to the end. This Marie Heinen challenge now, is, is, it'll be in the courts. We'll see where that goes. I think the other thing is that uh, this race is now, the, the, you're right, the Patrick Brown votes probably uh, are going to go towards the Charest camp. But um, I think Lesson Lewis and Baber, Scott Aitchison, I don't think they're, they're in the running for this. Uh, it's going to be, I think it's coming down to Polyev and Charest. The Polyev people believe that they're going to get it on the first ballot. They think they have a very, very strong uh, result. I don't know if that's the case or not. Like I say, I think Mr. Charest, is, uh, he's got a good result as well. But um, certainly it's going to be in the courts and it's going to come down to September 10th. And whether or not Mr. Polyev can do it on the first ballot, if he doesn't, then it's going to be interesting. But uh, the Tories uh, have a lot of things they're going to have to figure out. And one of them is their, you know, their public perception. But they would they would tell you that, you know, this this is all regular stuff that happens in a leadership and it takes 90 days to fix that. And once they have a new leader, they'll be able to fix it all. I think the verdict's out on that. Well, it'll be interesting to watch, and we'll have to check back in with you uh, as we get closer to September 10th and Decision Day. Uh, Dan Donovan, editor and publisher of Ottawa Life magazine, thank you so much for joining us. If people want to check out your magazine, is there a website they can go to to check it out? OttawaLife.com, Brian. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for joining us. That's our show for tonight. I remind you, I'm on every Monday through Friday at 6 o'clock on 960 AM, and you can stream me online, even from Ottawa, at www.saga960am.ca. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Good night.